Just a quick announcement at the top of the show. Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week, from this point going forward. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode, and you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. There's also Glue Addict, a reality television program starring myself and Hans, and also Jake and Jerry from Civic TV, and Kenny, America's favorite, from Comfort Systems, our sketch comedy series. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowres, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowres. Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans, who just watched Voyagers, who he, he knew that was not going to be a good movie, and he still chose to watch it. Yeah. I didn't know who the people involved were. I just saw it on my, um, you know, that screener's website that I... Uh... HollywoodElite.com. <laughs> yes. Uh, I got my VIP uh, login, and uh, it was a piece of shit, so... Uh... In case anyone's interested in watching, I don't even know if it's out yet, but uh, it's bad. It's from this year. Yeah, who's the biggest it's star? The kid, the kid from Ready Player One, and uh, Johnny Depp's daughter from Yoga yeah. Hosers. Yep, great. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's bad. It's, it's really bad. Do you guys uh, get anything out of uh, watching bad movies? You know, on purpose because I, I I hate it. I think it depends on the movie. I'll tell you what, uh, my tolerance for that is not as high as Hans or the other guys we do Civic TV with. We're watching bad movies every single week. Um, I I personally don't really do that in my free time. But uh, if I'm forced to, I can usually find something entertaining or enjoyable about it. I I think it it really depends for me. Uh, If if it's uh, it's something where the filmmaker is incompetent or the actors are bad, I find enjoyment on that. But if everything looks slick and the movie's just shitty because they couldn't come up with anything more creative or anything better, that pisses me off. Like this movie was like that where... the last uh, three years. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, uh, it's it's pretty much like uh, Lord of the Flies in Space where it's just a bunch of children that have never been exposed to anything. Uh, And then they, they start discovering things. But then it's like, there's the bad guy that even though he's grown up the same as everyone else. He knows how to fight. He knows how to use weapons. He knows how to do all the evil guy things. And the good guy is a retard. So it's like, it looks good. It's sleek. Like you, you can see that it's expensive equipment that you use to make the movie. These are actors that are recognizable, I guess, if you're into this type of movie. You're the yoga then, posers, yeah. Yeah, but then it sucks. So it's just bad. It's just not, not enjoyable. If the movie is bad because the director is trying to do something that they don't know how to do. So he looks bad, or the actors are bad, uh, but it's not as clean, I guess, uh, as something like this. I find more enjoyment on that, where it's more like, well, he gave it his best, he just bad at it. So, you know, like an Uwe Boll movie. Like, those are terrible, but I can find enjoyment in those a, a little bit, just because I know that he's just terrible at it. And, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, we gotta that's, we gotta watch that, that Hitler documentary where he staged all yep. the reenactments himself. Huey Bowl. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. him, uh, Dakota. He did the uh, what was it, Blood Rain series and House of the Dead and Postal. He does all the video game adaptations that nobody watches. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge video game guy, so uh, I don't think I've seen any of those. Yeah, you're better off, in my opinion. Yeah. The only one you need to see is Super Mario <laughs> Brothers the movie from 1993. That's classic. Yeah, yeah. That's I've seen that one. I saw that one as a child, and I was just uh, confused. I was like, what did they do? <laughs> this is awful. It's the same. If you watch it as an adult, it's I love the, the idea of artistic interpretation, but uh, you know that was um, that didn't work for me <laughs> as a child. So you know, I don't think it would work for me as an adult. No, you're, you're, you're probably correct about that. The guest today is Dakota Proctor, who uh, did this Kaczynski portrait that is on my wall right here. He's a very talented artist. And uh, do you want to, like, plug your Instagram, right? Here's the thing. We always have a guest on, and then it's, like, two hours in. Yeah. And then we'll be like, you want to plug your links or where, where people can find you, you know, when, like, 30 people are still listening? Get, get my shilling done here at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am a self-taught oil painter i also do music and i use instagram as my main uh avenue for sharing that i am at plastic repeater on instagram uh the idea is plastic is something that can be you know changed can take a lot of forms and repeating is kind of my artistic uh vision you know i'm gonna make like these got some art behind me you know i'm going to do whatever I think, you know, I want to do, but hopefully it's all coming from the same place. If I'm doing my job well, if I'm, you know, falling into the moment, hopefully getting into the flow, making good art. But yeah. So plastic repeater on Instagram, not on Twitter. Uh, I have a secret account, but you know, I don't, I don't use it. And uh, yeah, Facebook, I guess. And your, your work is terrific. Uh, I highly recommend everybody check out your Instagram especially. We're going to be talking about tonight, the theme of the show tonight is our favorite filmmakers. And uh, Hans, I'm very curious to hear about your list for favorite <laughs> yeah. filmmakers and uh, how it's going to contrast, I think, to Dakota's list. He kind of gave me a little bit of a preview uh, yeah. before the show. So uh, does anyone want to start off talking about any particular one filmmaker? I think maybe maybe a good starting point where it could overlap into all three of our uh interest in film and, and television might be somebody like David Lynch. I love David Lynch. Um, uh, you know, getting in, I, I did a screenwriting minor in college and around that time I was just, I took the first course and just realized I was not versed at all in film. You know, I was just like pulling from Simpsons references, you know, I was just using like the Simpsons as my writing template. So I just started, you know, watching movies every day and uh, Lynch's were one that definitely jumped out at me. And over the years, I've kind of, I think I've seen all of them, but the straight story I got, I think I watched about half of the straight story with like a really bad DVD rip. And I was just like, this is terrible. I'm going to not watch this until I can get the correct quality for the stream essentially. But um, yeah, David Lynch fantastic uh i love i think inland empire is probably my favorite of his but you know i've i've seen all of them multiple times so you know 
we can chat about that for sure. Yeah, Inland Empire is one that I started recently and I haven't finished it yet, which is kind of rare for me. But I just really needed a nap that day. I was very tired. I was very exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on like YouTube for free. Like somebody just uploaded yeah. that, and that's that's how I I was watching it. Um, certainly, you an can't interesting... buy the DVD. I, I looked. I, I don't know if it's out of print or or what, you know. But like, so I've only been able to not legitimately watch that movie. <laughs> he was. Uh, I think he was selling DVDs through his website for a period of time, and that might be. The reason. Maybe it's uh, out of print or something. Maybe that. I'm sure that Criterion is going to scoop it up at some point. Does that, uh, does that film's production uh, speak to you at all? Because I know you are rapping on a movie, but you've kind of – it seems like you've had multiple kind of shoots. And I know David Lynch basically took a video camera, like a handheld, and just kind of started and just, you know, linearly worked through that. I don't know if that that speaks to your process at all, if you're more just like – I need it all laid out before I shoot it. Um, maybe to some degree. I don't know. Maybe more like Mulholland Drive where it's like we have this one thing and it doesn't turn out the way we want it to be. And then we just mm-hmm. go back to it and re-edit it and shoot a little bit more and turn it into something brand new and a lot better. Um, I, I find the whole... that's how that, that movie worked. You know, because then they all age drastically. In the, in, after about an hour and 45 minutes, I never really got that you know i didn't even know that was naomi watts when she wakes up you know it's just like she looks horrible <laughs> I, I didn't catch that on my first go either or the fact yeah. that uh, i think you can make a clear distinction between what's shot for television and what's shot for the movie it looks much slicker in that third act where uh it certainly has a more cinematic look to it yeah hans do you have a, a favorite david lynch what are what are your thoughts? I don't know if you've really talked about David Lynch at all, but I wanted to start with him because he's more, I guess, by default, like in the the horror weird kind of vein that we typically dabble in for civic TV and all that. Yeah, um, I like his weirdness. I like that he has his own style of uh, off, col- not of color, off. What we can call his type of comedy. That's not straight comedy, but it has like tones of it. Uh, that at, at times they feel kind of out of place in his movies, but I like that. Like on uh, um, Blue Velvet, where a lot of the time the the dramatic moments have a little bit of comedy thrown into them. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but uh, I like that from his movies. And I also like the fact that he's been creative with things that are not at all what you think would come out of his mind, like... Uh, Domland. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but I, that was big for me when I like in my early uh, discovering his content content dates. It was just a, a pencil drop. Well, I don't know if it's pencil drop, but it's just an animation, like a really uh, raw animation of uh, rednecks that are just shitheads, just the absolute worst type of people. And you see that compared to the rest of his very artistic, very creative, very like new, I don't, I don't know, new age. Like what? What? I don't even know what to call his style. Uh, and it, you would never expect him to come up with things like that. Uh, or or rabbits, who's just like stop motion, right? Things like that, where where you can see that that his uh, he has like a lot uh, uh, when it comes to his creativity. And he, and uh, well, the the short with the monkey, right? But that's the thing that oh, what you Jack wouldn't do? expect. Yeah, it's something that that. Uh, that director that that did Blue Velvet, that did Lost Highway, um, 
Eraserhead, which is probably my favorite of him, just because of how weird it is and the one that I've rewatched the most. Uh, probably because I didn't understand it at first, uh, so I would just rewatch it to try to get things. But I think he's he's very. Um, I, I I don't know if you can put him in a category uh, just because of his body of work and how different it's been one from the other. Uh, I like a lot of his work, but I, I wouldn't say that he's top five. I feel like a lot of the time when I'm watching his movies, I enjoy maybe 75% of them, but they always at one point kind of lose me. And, and then um, the end uh, doesn't usually hit as hard as the rest of the movie for me. That's one of my problems with his movies. But besides that, like I think he's like one of the most creative directors that are still, they still have not gotten their voice stolen, I think. Uh, and the, the fact that he has such a passionate fan base online, at least, uh, helps him with that. With the fact that he just be himself. And, what do you, you What know, do you mean by his voice stolen? That he hasn't fallen into a corporate style of directing, where you know they throw at him a franchise like with. What Dune, do you call right? Dune? Like well, a, no, Dune. I mean, he right, would argue probably. That, I think that Dune is the example of that. But Dune is also very David Lynch, though. You watch that movie and it has maybe it doesn't it doesn't feel the same as something like Eraserhead or his early works, but it has very David Lynchian things like the way they speak, uh, the, the acting, the way it's shot. It's very David Lynch, even though it's such a huge project that at the end, I don't even know if, if that's that was his vision, what ended up being put on screen or not. Uh, but I think he took his name off uh, the project before it was released. Oh, well, there you go. So I think. That that was probably the the, the first and, and only attempt at, at getting him to be that director. You know what I mean? Like a like a J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, maybe, uh, which which they try to do sometimes with these very creative directors and end up maybe not ruining their career. But then they have a, a, a run of four or five movies that are just who cares before they can go back to being themselves. Uh, and I don't think he's lost that yet. I don't think he's been caught into that, probably because of his experience with Dune. And that's something that, you know, it's is difficult to see now with, with directors that have been doing it for so long. Do you think that doing one big property like that where it's not going to be entirely in your hands is maybe uh, pivotal to creating a filmmaker like that? What do you mean? Like, what so because of his from, experience from on the... because of his experience on Dune and that being a negative experience, it seems like he's gone in the complete opposite direction where he'll never do something like that again. Do you think maybe having one go or one bite at the apple, so to speak, uh, is maybe pivotal to creating that type of filmmaker? I think it depends on the personality of the director. You can have a, a Brett Ratner that could have an experience like that and have a bomb, but who doesn't have that creative, uh, what would you call it? Uh, what, what word could you use? Uh, Honesty, I guess, where you can just throw another bunch of money at him and he'll make that that same type of movie. Who cares uh, if it's not his vision or if it's not his story or whatever? Uh, if you have someone like David Lynch is a little bit weird, who is more himself, more of an auteur, I guess you can call. Uh, if you if that's your personality, then yes, you have one experience with them. And then you, you say, well, I make movies for myself. Like, this is what I like to do. So thanks, but I'm fine doing my own thing. And that's what's worked for him. But if you, like I said, a Brett Ratner, I don't think would be, you know. No, I don't know why that was your go-to comparison. (laughs) It's also, you got to think like his last movie 
made was in 2003 or something like that. I think mm-hmm. Inland Empire, you know, I, he didn't do anything until that Twin Peaks Return came out. Yeah. So I think a lot also of this period where you're talking about, you know, selling out, rebooting a franchise, he really hasn't been active, you know, and essentially he did reboot a franchise with the return, but he also basically used that as a fuck you because he has mm. Cooper as, you know, the catatonic Dougie for uh, basically 13 hours. I think it was 16 hours, you know, each episode's an hour long. You don't get Dale Cooper until the last two or three episodes, I believe, you know, so, but yeah. Yeah, and he was, uh, I mean, they gave him some trouble in the lead up to that where I think he, he even quit the series prior to it going into production. And then uh, people saw the backlash to that, and he hopped back in, and we wound up getting this David Lynch written and directed 17-hour epic, essentially. Where, yeah, we, uh, I think by the end of that, that you know, I only wound up appreciating Dougie by, uh, by around the time that Coop did reinsert himself into the series. I mean, he's into meditation, so I think you could, you could look at a, you could look at Dougie as like a tantric sex sort of thing, you know, like just, just enjoy it for what it is, but you're not going to get a payoff, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. What is your opinion on Dune Dakota? Uh, it's, it's, uh, not my favorite. Uh, I, I watched it once. I, I don't remember much of it. Um, it's, I think it's just him. I guess the elephant man worked for him. So then he kind of did go for that bite of the apple. Cause the elephant man was also like, an adapted piece essentially you know Mm. a little straighter but you know from what i understand he didn't have the final cut so i think that bothered him you know a lot but it's it's crazy he goes from a racer head which is which might be the most surreal i i I think he just does better when he's able to put in his sequences that don't have much to do with the film and kind of wash over you you know I, I completely agree. That, that's not necessarily sci-fi. You know, maybe whoever gre- greenlit it felt like it would work. But, you know, I'm excited to see the new, the re- the remake. The uh, Dennis... Uh, Denny Villeneuve's remake, name? yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be a big, tremendous bomb. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's been due for a flop for, for yeah. a minute. <laughs> were, you, uh, were you a fan of uh, 2049? Uh, 2049? Oh, Blade oh, Blade Runner. Runner. Uh, yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed that movie. But I don't know if I enjoyed it because... It, I mean, De- Denny Villeneuve is a very uh, slick director. He's definitely a competent guy. He's had plenty of, I think, pretty decent movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was actually probably um, my second favorite movie to come out that year. But I would credit that more to the screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Who wrote that? Do you know? Uh, I don't know the uh, the writer's name, but I believe it was the the original writer of the uh, uh, yeah. Blade Runner movie from the eighties. Uh, yeah, Hampton Fancher. That's the original writer. Yeah, of Blade Runner. What's his name? Hampton Fancher. Hampton Fancher. Yeah. Well, that's why Hampton, he's not like, famous. That's a that's an I guess. Yeah, it's a terrible name. <laughs> uh, do we know anything about David Lynch's Netflix show that he has coming out this year? Has anything come out mm-hmm. about that? Called Willow, I think. Willow? I think it's Willow. Not related to the Jim Henson Willow, right? With uh, Warwick uh, Davis? No, no idea. Okay. 
I, I, I mean, that would be interesting either way. I feel, I feel like David Lynch feels like he's going to die in the next five years. So he kind of, you know, got off of his high horse of saying cinema's dead and is trying to crank out as much work until he, you know, kicks the bucket essentially. But, um, you know, I'm glad for it. You know, I'll be, yeah, I mean, I feel like I agree with you, Hans, as well, about like the payoffs at the end of his films. Like, they don't feel very strong, but, you know, it's so hard. Like, like, Blue Velvet essentially ends with him just shooting Frank, you know, and he just kind of like walks out. And then, like, the next scene is like the birds are chirping. And, you know, it's just, he just kind of ends his movies. I don't, I don't really necessarily like reading into stuff a lot, you know, like putting simple, big, like, artistic uh, uh you know explanation on things i feel like david lynch is more just like it is what it is and like that's also something i strive for in my art you know i don't want to if i paint a picture of a tree it's not symbolizing anything it's a tree you know what i mean so i, I think <laughs> for for me how do you end like a nightmare it just kind of ends and, and that might be just his thing you know right it's and flawed, i would I, but I, I appreciate the flaw I, I would actually cite that Blue Velvet probably has, like, the most satisfying conclusion of his... Aside from, like, Elephant Man, which is obviously conventional. I agree. It does. But it's also just... just ends. He's like, Frank is the guy in the yellow coat, and no, that really matters, you know? It's all about kind of that, that ambiance, you know, that the naked woman running up to the high school date, essentially, is kind of that whole vibe of that movie, you know? The darkness right outside of... Right outside your door, essentially. Do you have any thoughts on Nicholas Winding Refn, who's kind of... Uh, Is that your five? Uh, he's not... He, I, I don't know if I'd put Refn as number one anymore. I think Park Chan-wook is probably my favorite working director right now. Okay. I've seen Drive, and I've seen Bronson. And I started Neon Demon, but I was just not in the mood. But I think... I'm sure it's good. You know, I'm just a little lazy sometimes when I'm watching things. But... Um, I don't think I've, you know, I, I've li- I'll be honest, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, so I, I've, uh, I know how you feel about, you know, like, <laughs> I think as Valhalla Rising, you usually bring up talking about being Winchian, so I haven't seen it, so I, I, I can't add anything to that, but, you know, I think a lot of people ape Lynch. If you, if you want to see the closest thing to a David Lynch film without him having directed, I would check out Fear X, which is uh, Refn's movie from, like, 2003. Starring John Turturro and uh, James Remar, it feels nothing at all like Refn and entirely everything like Lynch, but a little more boring. Well, that's I think that was before he became Refn, right? Before because his Butcher movies don't really feel like. Well, Refn. well that's the thing. I I think Ref, Refn is kind of like a like a like a trans filmmaker, but in his art, <laughs> you know, because you start off with like. <laughs> The very masculine pusher films where, you know, it's gritty, on the street, drugs, violence, gangs, mafia, and you go into Bleeder and it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to inject this guy with AIDS as his punishment. And then we go into, uh, then we go into Fear X. Fear X is kind of, what, what, what? Chosen did you not see that series with the, isn't that the one with this asylum with a bunch of deformed people? That's Lars von Trier you're thinking about. Oh, I think you're thinking about right. the kingdom, yeah, you're right. you're the right, hospital. You're right, you're right. You're right. Um, yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, his enemy, his arch nemesis, <laughs> Lars von Trier. <laughs> yeah, Lars von Trier only got more masculine, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's and like, then... Fuck these female heroines, let's, you know, dismember them. 
So reference starts out there. It's very masculine. You go into Fear X, you got Bronson, Valhalla Rising, and then he does Drive. And Drive is like, you know, a beautiful film. And then he does Only God Forgives. And then it's like softer Ryan Gosling, even though he's a hard, he gets his ass kicked by the Filipino guy, Thailand guy. You know, and then, yeah, yeah. And uh, then you do Neon Demon, and he's in the fashion world, and he's, you know, very feminine. <laughs> and then he does Too Old Too to old. Die Young, where you have a Latin, Latin mafia guy who gets pegged by a woman and has, like, a mom fetish, and he's kind of gay but not really gay. And it's very, very feminine. That's yeah. my pick. <laughs> but it, there's, there's a through line. It's a clear evolution of masculine to feminine in his filmmaking it's cool it's it's weird that bahala rising is like the the point like the breaking point between that masculinity and then you have a three and a half hour epic of very slow motion mads mickelson with a sword and no eye right uh and then after that it's like artsy and now it's neon and no dialogue and and it's all about emotions that this guy can't really portray that well uh and then from then on yeah completely the masculinity and the violence that all of his other movies had is completely gone. Well, it's, it, it's, it's not completely gone. It's just, it's changed. It's not even really subdued. It's there, but yeah. I don't, it's, I don't know. It comes like, from a different place. I like place, how feminine though. equates silence to you. You know, that's really interesting. <laughs> I'm not, not criticizing you at all. Cause I think it's very, well, you know, I'll just say like classically <laughs> masculine, classically feminine, you know, it's definitely something uh, very interesting to think about, you know, like what does silence mean? What does it mean to be the unspoken, be, you know, do that, you know, passively, femininely, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's probably like a thing that go that way. Up until Only God Forgives, I think women had like three lines in all of his movies. Uh, so that might be why. <laughs> like, there's no main. They weren't in his movies. They didn't show up at all. It was all exactly, dudes yeah. all the time. Yeah, bros just drive, fun. and she and, and she has two lines, right? She has like, "This is my baby," and that's it. That's <laughs> I, don't I don't remember. That's but, a, that's yeah. a classic line from Drive. Is this is my baby? <laughs> this is my baby. I don't think I could quote one line from Drive besides like whatever he says. I drive, you know. Uh, right. That's that's how that, you know it's the best. That, Albert Albert Brooks or whatever just saying fuck a lot or whatever. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah, Ron uh, Albert or, Brooks. Oh, yeah. Albert uh, Albert Brooks. Yeah. Albert Fish. Yeah, the, the guy from Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I I I mean, if you haven't seen a whole lot of Refn, uh, I would I would probably start with the beginning. I th- I think his uh, his early work is very interesting now, very like in tune with. Uh, like the modern aesthetics of today and how nineties fashion has kind of come back into, uh, into style recently. But I want to talk about Lars von Trier now because uh, you're right. Lars von Trier is somebody who has evolved as well. And I see a lot of his movies as kind of uh, event films, I guess you could say, especially as of, as of recent, there's kind of a, I mean, he's nothing like Tarantino, but if you take a look at his late career, it feels like Tarantino's movies are, are novelesque from like Inglorious Bastards onward. And then yeah. Lars von Trier has a similar thing where it seems like everything, once we got right out of the aughts, maybe starting with like Melancholia, mm. feels novelesque. 
And I don't know if that's necessarily the case with his earlier films. You've got to see Dogville. That's where it began. Yeah. It's three hours long and it's a stage play and there's no, you know, but it's shot, you know, there's no, they're on a stage. There's no houses or anything. There's chalk drawn around that says like so-and-so's house, the dog, and it's got the narrator and it's, you know, chapters. It's everything he does now, essentially, you know, and it's, it's fantastic. But yeah, he's a, I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's totally welcome. Uh, I have not seen Dogville. Uh, I've been meaning to. I kind of struggle with um, many of his earlier films from, uh, what was it? Not not Europa. What was the one that preceded that that's very sepia-toned and uh, is a noir? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it might have been his first film. I think it might be... Uh, uh, yeah. epi- epi- epidemic? First film, yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I've seen this first film. It is the sepia Ted Noir one. And then he's got... Uh, then he's got the ones... That does Befri... Befri Selby... I can't. Uh, a a Danish name. Uh, <laughs> Danish name. Uh, and then you have... Uh, yeah, that's the first one. Short, 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 short. You have Befri Selby Letter. And then Epidemic. Yeah. And then Europa. Yeah, it's none of those. That's your yeah. wrong. Element of Crime. Element of a crime. A, I was going to say that's his, that's his yes. first. I think the element right. of crime is that sepia toned. He's the killer, chasing the killer. Yeah, I, I don't remember that one too well. No, it, it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of difficult to uh, get an investment in that. Uh, I think if you like from you're the nineties, breaking the waves is really good. Yeah, the idiots. Uh, the idiots is a. Hans probably would like the idiots. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, it's when, uh, it's, have you it's heard really, of that? Uh, it's really annoying. I couldn't finish it. I was I, just annoyed with it. Like oh, okay. I was like half an hour in. I was just like just people acting stupid for two hours. I'm I'm good. Yeah, maybe know? maybe the stupids is more your cup of tea, huh? <laughs> John Landis's Tom Arnold starring the stupids. Anybody wow, see that? I don't even don't even okay, know. Okay, all right, all right. I'll be the only one to admit that I've watched the stupids. I'm sorry. I'm not really well versed in Tom Arnold's um yeah no breaking the waves is uh terrific that's a that's a great film dancer in the dark is very good as well um and i you know even though uh i maybe was not a total fan of europa i can appreciate the visual aesthetic of that movie and a lot of the um you know what what is it called the uh like the back projection that is applied with the um you know, the train carrying passengers. It looks great. It's a great looking film. He's definitely into like, there's a lot of, I can't remember, you know, but I, I took an experimental film class and like, there's a lot of that European stuff where the set design is just like beautiful, you know, and it, I, I can't remember what the films were about, but I think he, that definitely spoke to him, especially in his like dogma of only using real things, you know, and I mean, I think that's fantastic, you know, it just, even those like intercut shots and uh, breaking the waves over the different chapters. Like, I think it's like a cliff, you know, but it looks like there's like seventies kind of illustration looking things. It's just like beautiful. I love the, uh, the um, like the intervals, the chapter marks of that, that movie and how he has like David Bowie playing over it. And... and I think he still does that. Like even in the, even in the uh, house that Jack built, that whole hell scene, all that, all that stuff is probably, I think real ish, you know, uh, floating in the river and then intercutting that with just what it looks like. Uh, what are those cameras called? 
GoPro, like a GoPro of a sewer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have <laughs> yeah, a, a favorite of his films from like the past 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I like all of them, honestly. Uh, when I saw Nymphomaniac, that was definitely my like favorite film of the year. I love the house that Jack built as well. Um, and then the other one would be the one with Willem Dafoe. Uh, Antichrist. Was Antichrist. I think are those all the ones I think from this past decade. I think Melancholy, Melancholy I think is... is 2011. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I I, I like all of those movies. Um, Probably House that Jack built. I think that's the one I've returned to the most. It's most like distilled Von Trier. Also, he's like kind of using the feedback loop of what people say about him in real life, and he's just like putting that in his film, essentially, like. <laughs> Why do you kill women? <laughs> yeah. That's essentially the whole Verge versus, uh, you know, what's what it, Jack is just uh, probably what goes on in his head, you know, what he assumes people are saying about him and his response to it, you know. It's like a, a, a treatise of why I make films the way I make them. And the whole, like, when I kill someone, I feel my shadow. It's like, that's him making a movie. I'm making the movie and my shadow gets bigger and bigger and bigger and I grow on top of myself. And then I finish my movie and then the shadow starts behind me and I start walking away and until I have to start thirsting for that next kill. That's definitely him just talking about making films because it's definitely, you know. Well, he adds the montage of all his movies in that moment. He gives you a clip show (laughs) of his work today. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the theater. and I was, it, it takes you out a little bit, but it's still, like, very part of the movie. Yeah. And I just found it hilarious that he was essentially doing the uh, the Bowl thing of boxing your critics, but within his own <laughs> film. Where else are you going to do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Hans, do you have any strong feelings on Lars von Trier? He, he seems like a filmmaker that would probably put you to sleep very well. Yeah, yeah, that's that. You're, you're correct. Uh I uh, I like the visual style of his movies. I think he has a very creative way of shooting uh, drama and very creative way of shooting awful things happening to his characters. Uh, I just feel like his movies are a bit overkill sometimes. It's a little bit too long for me to really get into them. Like, you want a good eighty-minute Lars von Trier? Yes. Film. Yeah. No. 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 But I don't. I don't want a three-hour where you know. And and my problem is that I, I can't say that because uh, well one of my favorite directors is uh, Yorgo Latimos. I don't know if you pronounce the name like that or not, but I like him. He's the lobster. Yeah, guy, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And he he has a thing where he uses silent has silence very uh, in a very effective way when it comes to to his characters showing emotion and just letting the actors act. Uh, but I feel like sometimes Von Trier just does it a, a bit too much or it goes a little bit too far and it's kind of like all right can we oh i get, we get it. Going? he's too edgy for you it's, you don't like when he goes yeah. too far when it's too yeah, violent yeah. and too yep. offensive he offends I mean, I, you i get it i'm not a huge fan of of uh knowing exactly what willem defoe's testicles look like <laughs> <laughs> i think that was maybe a little bit unnecessary but i i appreciate his balls i guess of just being like you know what i'm, I'm being blacklisted by everyone fuck it like my fans are still going to watch you guys are still going to watch it because you're going to n- want to know what you're supposed to be upset about the next thing i do so instead of caving into his criticism he's just like fuck it i'm just going to do my thing and 
if you like it good if you don't like it i don't give a fuck like i'm making my own thing so i appreciate that and i like that from him because again like most directors don't have the 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 personality or or even being able to do that because they don't have the the fan base behind them or the people that that hold them in high esteem like like you guys uh but yeah i mean it's it's an interesting director that whenever something new comes out i'm interested to watch it and i do i just don't know if i would say he's one of my favorites just for sure that. uh do you get do you the impression the most is getting uh, better or worse hans uh, i think question. he's been pretty consistent i think okay. i think the favorite was really possibly his funniest one uh which is weird to say because they all have an odd uh I, I, uncomfortable slash funny slash I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling uh, thing and and I think the favorite is the one that that has the, the biggest comedic edge than the rest of them yeah. uh, maybe because it was also with the the background of you know the the time of when it's set on which is just back in you know 1800s or whatever 1600 whenever it is uh, but I think he's been very consistent um, I I think he's one of those directors that still have that vision and are able to show their movie without being sanitized still because yeah. if you watch something like Dogtooth which the first time I ever saw Dogtooth I was like what the fuck am I watching like what what is this uh and then you you continue watching these movies and and they all have that little bit of like oh yeah. shit like a little bit of um European directing I guess yeah. you can call it where, where they just don't care they're just like well I'm just gonna throw this in there and it's my movie fuck it yeah. uh, and I, I also really like his the visual style of his movies um, a lot of the times he uses weird angles or weird uh, camera position to show uh, the size of a room or the the interactions in between characters is not always in the middle of a, of a close-up or of a middle uh, and that keeps me engaged in these movies, too. Do you think he uh, might suck Kubrick's dick a little too hard, though? Who, who doesn't, though? But he does a special... Like, I like him. I really I really yeah. love The Killing they of have, Sacred They Deer. have that coldness in, in, the, in the same... You know, that was... My favorite thing to do in college was tell people that Kubrick was a horrible director just because it made them so angry. <laughs> and I really, I really doubt, honestly, that an 18-year-old can enjoy Kubrick because there's... Because yeah. that coldness is something that I have not I, – I came around to Kubrick, and it was like his longest – it was Barry Lyndon that made me like Kubrick. you know. And I was like, okay, I can finally get why this is funny, and I can finally enjoy the cinema and stuff. But, mm. like, they feel so fucking cold, you know? And I yeah. think – and also, you know, the complaint of, like, bad movie endings, I feel like Lanthimos' movies, except for Dogtooth, I've not seen The Favorite. So, you know, I'm really just talking about Killing of Sacred Deer – and monster they Lobster. both just kind of end like he spins yeah. around the room with a gun and shoots his son you know right he but I, his son. yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I think the difference with that and and lynch is that even though lynch's movies are kind of weird when it comes to the story um they they don't have that odd feeling of i i don't know what's going like i i feel like um lynch makes you care for for his characters a little bit more uh, and in in Yorgos's movies, it's like, well, this is the guy, and this is what he does, and this is his life. And if you like him or if you don't like him, like it's not the point of the movie. Like you're not supposed to uh, root for them on everything. You just start liking them for reasons that might not even be on purpose. Uh, 
And uh, when they end, I, I, I don't feel like it's so odd because of what you've been watching for the for the other two hours, where it just doesn't feel like a conventional movie. It doesn't feel like a yeah. like a, a regular, you know, ninety minute uh, who cares movie. Uh, so when it ends, it, it feels more like an art, artistic decision, I guess, of just like, well, this is what you got, and that's it. Good goodbye, you know. So do you, do you get me. that whole like unlikable? movie characters thing because i i don't see i i don't know if i'm just don't have a heart or what but like you know like the the whole thing with killing a sacred deer is he's an alcoholic right and he killed someone accidentally because during surgery because he was drunk but like i for whatever reason my brain can't ever understand that it, it's i can't ever be like oh he did something bad so now this is why this is. you know it's just like it's still a person i don't know if that makes sense what, at all but that's kind of with Kubrick too, like uh, the Shining guy. Like he's he's an alcoholic who's terrible to his family. But for whatever reason, I I have some disconnects. You know, I guess I feel a disconnect with characters and films. Is what I'm trying to say. I don't really understand the like we we shouldn't don't be like the characters in films. Like I, I like what what do you mean by that? You know. Mm. <laughs> I don't understand. You you mean that you can't relate with them, or so you don't care for the story or, no, I, or I guess I'm saying I can't relate to the judgment put on them sort of off screen before the film begins uh, okay okay hmm that's yeah I don't, I don't know if that speaks to you at all unredeemable well, no, characters what? we're all unredeemable I guess I I think for me uh not necessarily the same but I I hate when people take the um the critical eye of like well you're missing the point in rooting for this character. It's like if yeah. you're watching Joker or something, you're enjoying the Joker on screen, and people are like, well, no, you're supposed to root against the Joker or Walter White or whatever. Name any bad yeah. guy. Anti-hero, yeah. yeah. It's like I, I, I don't even really look at movies <clears throat> in that kind of regard. Like it, It's supposed to be a medium where you're supposed to explore these scenarios with these characters, exactly. good or bad. You know, It's not... It's not that deep. You don't have to. You don't have to be consistent when it comes to enjoying a piece of entertainment. Yeah. Some of the. Some of the. I mean, some of the most fun characters to follow on screen are completely uh, atrocious in their actions. You know. Yeah. Um. So, I. I mean, as far. Well, I mean, even in, even in the medium of like <laughs> classic. Ones, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. medium of classic yeah, like, television. Captain America. Who is that? I don't know anything about him. It's <laughs> good. Wears <laughs> a helmet. Yeah. I I have not. I I've been very proudly to not watch any Marvel movies besides the first ones that I saw when I was a kid. It's so funny. People will talk to me about them, and I I never. I'm just abstinence of Marvel movies is my little my little purity ring of of pride. You're probably able to enjoy movies differently because of that. You don't have that cynic eye that we all have which is just like well when you don't like them where it's just like oh fuck it we're gonna watch the same fucking movie again no yeah, you know you don't yeah. have that thing of like they oh they're all that now uh don't do it <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> worth it <laughs> well i wanted to work in film you know right out of college i went I, I went out to los angeles and i interned at two film production companies and immediately i didn't i knew i did not want to do it you know because i was like all these people are gonna this was probably in like 2016. So I was like, I'm going to work really hard 
to like work on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. And I was just like, I don't want to do that at all. It was like, I worked for this old guy who was like, we give notes and be like, I don't like this character because he doesn't have like a dog sidekick. Like he needs a dog sidekick. <laughs> we give notes like that. And then like the younger executive would pull me aside and be like, yeah, like he had a dog when he was young. So he brings up that <laughs> note all the time. And I'm just like, these are the people making the decisions about what I see. I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> That's always the perfect go-to fix when a character's too unlikable. Just give him a dog <laughs> sidekick. give him a dog. <laughs> they don't even have to be nice with the dog. They just need to have one moment where they save them or something like that. That would have been so much better if he just had a dog to take care of. To show his more just cut away to the dog. You'll get the dog's reaction when he says something. <laughs> He doesn't have to be on set with the dog that day. We'll get the dog from Shutterstock.com, and it'll fix the movie. Paint it with the Joker <laughs> face. The, dog. the dog's just wearing a little suit. Who would you say is a good contemporary to uh, Yorgos Lanthimos uh, in terms of that kind of I mean, creative freedom who's working uh, today? Oh, well, he... He is, right? He's not that old, is he? Who? He's Yorgos. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying, who, who, who else is, has, has that like creative car blanche and is also getting the esteem? Zoller, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Zoller's, I mean, in terms of strictly that, yes. He's, uh, Zoller's very pulpy um, with his films. Apparently, he's going to be shooting something this year. It's about time. Fuck. Yeah, what he's got some like, billion-dollar puppet movie with Vince Vaughn in the works. Based on his book uh, that he wrote, cool. I don't know what the title of that is, but it's got something <laughs> like uh, what, what was it, M- uh, Mr. Megorium's Fantastic Emporium, oh, some no. title like that. Oh, <laughs> the Beaver, the Beaver too. The, yeah. I think uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's still doing what he wants to do too. I mean, he's older, but you know, I mean, Phantom Thread was 2017. I think he's doing. Something now set in Los Angeles, you know, makes sense. Something from the seventies. What do you think of Inherent Vice? Favorite movie, probably one of my favorite movies. Uh, You know, I I saw it multiple times. I love it. It's got that Lynch thing. Doesn't kind of make cousin doesn't make sense. Doesn't matter. Very evocative. Um, That whole all their performances are really good. Uh, If I give it a critique, it's not that funny. All, all these people said it was like super funny. It's not, but like you know, I I, I like pinch it. I I shouldn't say that. I've read Inherent Vice. I can't read it. it. Makes no sense. But you know, I like the idea of pinching. Um, the the writer who that that was based off of. You know, just this sort of labyrinth. I don't know. I think. It, did you see it? I I own it. I have it on my shelf over here. Yeah. But uh, not because it's movie. a favorite of mine, just because it was like two ninety nine at Walgreens. I was like, what a steal. I got to <laughs> yeah, have that it. That is a steal. Yeah. It, it also has probably uh, Eric Roberts' last great performance, or good performance, really. I don't want to sound too mean. I like Eric Roberts quite a bit, but uh, let's be real, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What did you that, has the, that has that, uh, yeah, like that L.A. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I don't know. The music's so good too. Like everything about it, you know, is just like the the filmmaking is just fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. I feel I like... like that it was like a flop before it came out. You know, like it, it just. So I think he just really did what he wanted with it. You know, I don't think he worried too much about it tracking. 
really because it mm-hmm. doesn't but for whatever reason like that just you know spoke to me somebody i think we had on the show recently hans maybe you'll remember said uh it would be good in a pairing with like once upon a time in hollywood and uh that might be a, a double feature uh, do you have any thoughts on tarantino yeah i've seen all i think i've seen all of his work um yeah he's great uh <laughs> really talky I, yeah. he's great i you know i i think uh my favorite's probably like jackie brown i love once time once upon a time in hollywood um yeah as i've gotten a little older the more violent ones are a little less interesting even though death proof is pretty cool yeah death proof is definitely underrated i don't think uh many people discuss that uh as a as a you know, is a good movie, and it's a very. But I think fun like my least one. favorites are kind of like Inglorious Bastards and like Hateful Eight. Django. Oh, yeah. Django's in there. That period. I guess Django's good. I really have not. I've not seen it in a while, but it's probably fine. Hateful Eight. Right where he couldn't. He couldn't decide what he wanted to do. He's going in between Kill Bill and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Essentially, mm. I think ramping down kind of the like violence going more towards the story you know i think it really hatefully it was pretty awful in my opinion i i had that exact same opinion we did a show on hatefully and we were like this is boring mm. this sucks this what stinks. what was yeah. he thinking and then uh we just did the, a tarantino retro i mean it was supposed to be a show on reservoir dogs it turned into a tarantino retrospective because we just bounced around all of his films yeah. and uh i had rewatched hateful eight maybe um maybe a month ago, the theatrical version, not the extended cut. And I thought, this is hilarious. This is, this is a great piece of filmmaking. How could I have been so wrong to, to judge this movie? And then I watched the extended cut and I was like, this is boring. This is kind of a slog. So maybe um, it deserves a rewatch then. It's a, I I really enjoy the, uh, the the partnership of (laughs) Sam Jackson and Walton Goggins in that movie. I thought those two are terrific together as a, like his uh, offbeat duo. It's the uh, uh, it's the meme of the Confederate guy holding the black guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're yeah. watching the world burn. <laughs> yep. And just the violence in that movie and how it's played and how it it it, it arrived, I think, in 2016. And uh, you know, you just have uh, this female character getting the shit beaten out of her every like 12 minutes in a really aggressive, violent manner. The same criticism that was applied to the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how it's played for laughs in that movie is just so refreshing and different from everything else right now that's considered funny, which is just, haha, quips from uncharismatic actor. Great. Okay. Cool. What is the point of art if you're not going to engage in your dark side? You know, this is the problem. You know, not to get on the soapbox of like stuff, <laughs> stuff from today that makes me angry. But you know, what's the point? What you know, like the comedies are trying to be artful and not funny, and dramas are funny essentially because you know, comedy. I don't, I don't know, man. It, I don't know what my point is, even, but like, yeah, I'd I much even... rather see a, a Tarantino joke than I don't know. Well. I don't think is is Judd Apatow even making movies anymore, but like how watered down that's gotten, you know. Yeah, I don't even, as you say, you know. You, you mentioned comedy I can't believe like, he just said that, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I try to think, and I know my memory is shitty, but what's the yeah comedy? What's comedy now, especially Good boys. In movies? 
from 2018 or something. I don't know. You have kids the swearing and playing good. with dildos or something. What cuties? That's the comedy of the week. I, I don't. About, I don't know. What, what are people laughing at? Lisa, Mac- Lisa McCarthy. Is that what people? No, people didn't even watch that. I mean, they did the the fat lady superhero thing, sure, but I mean, nobody watched that. I don't yeah, know. I'm so I'm yeah. so out of the loop when it comes to comedy movies or series even i don't even remember unless i guess uh danny mcbride whenever he comes up with some but those like are movies that's a that's an hbo yeah, series he's doing yeah you can yeah. i think you can get away with more on cable television than you can in a, a film that's supposed to be you know making making money at the box office there's too much who's on the line comedy, for that you just gotta look at what kevin hart has done those are the last comedies i assume i like date night yeah. Tiffany Haddish, like that is, the, I worked in a movie theater and that was what was popular. That was, I went from working at a, at a very loud theater. At a film you worked at the yeah. Apollo. I, 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 I worked at a, uh, I don't know, Regal or whatever. I was a, picking up popcorn afterwards. It was, it was great. Yeah, you can watch Date Night for free and pick up pop. Date Night and uh, uh, and uh, J- what was that movie? Jumanji, Jumanji re- reboot. Ah, those yes. Are the, mm, those yeah. were the hot comedies from that summer. Wow, it's it's rough out there. I mean, like like what do you? You'd have to make a movie where you where you essentially didn't show it to any critics before you put it out. You know that that seems to be <laughs> so, so they couldn't so they couldn't kill it before it uh, got to theaters. You know, essentially. There have been some really high-profile blockbusters that I think have done that recently, and then everybody was complaining about it. You know, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think, has the uh, trust or esteem that it used to have anymore. And I, I mean, d- does anybody even have, like, favorite critics? Just because Padding, Padding 2 is the highest-rated movie well, yeah, of course, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, that's a given. That should have been the case always, forever. Um that's a great comedy as well. Paddington. I've never. Is, you, we can all go see PG Pixar movies, and that's what we laugh no. at now. No. Why the bear did something adorable and aw? Is that is that what the movie is? I know <laughs> I mean, nothing about know, these two movies. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, there I read a book once, and it it, it kind of bragger jumps around time, but essentially, <laughs> the future. I read a book. Once, the future. The future. They. They prophesized in this book is essentially an artist playing a concert of nursery rhymes essentially because no one can be offensive essentially or or like everything's been distilled sort of back to a childhood level that's the only thing that can be massively appealing is basically g-rating so i i I think we're doing this we're we're censoring ourselves to a point where we're going to get back to kind of like what happened in the 60s what that broke essentially we're basically going back to that now oh fuck the, the, i hope so. so and that's why you know <laughs> that's why you're gonna have patterning too being the highest rated film because it's it's probably a good movie i haven't seen it but it also probably lacks any sort of bite or cynicism that i think people are you know critics are it's not the right kind of cynicism, I guess. You can have like Listen. racial cynicism and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. but, but actual sure cynicism, like human cynicism, something that doesn't divide yeah. us, something that can bring us together, is not okay. Paddington is trying to have a baby bear with a white bear, and he can't because people won't accept them. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I really have no idea what either of those movies is about, but it it's yeah, that's that's it's funny that that's the one, you know. That's and hopefully like you said, hopefully that's the reset that we need and we go back to movies like in the 70s, interesting with interesting people making them instead of just a factory of the same fucking shit over and over again. So, let let's hope so. But I, we I think, might be we I, might be 10 years away from that. I think that requires a great deal of work and I think things are starting to form a little bit right now in terms of creating a counter industry or or at least like a counter faction to whatever is like popular or mainstream right now but that's going to take a, a great deal of work and a lot of money and um independence away from certain in- institutions that aren't even disney. really related to filmmaking yeah disney was buying everything right i mean it, look it wouldn't surprise me if it just comes down to you have the disney movies which are everything that is made with like real money and then you have me and you hans and that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's important isn't it like what y'all did i would say you're part of that right is that is that that in your i don't know well let let, let, i mean let's let's find out let's let's finish this movie for i thought we got deleted from paypal today i was like oh fuck yeah all right that's 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 a wrap uh but no it just it was conveniently glitching in the final seven hours and said the thing was removed so um yeah i mean look i obviously we wouldn't be making a movie unless we thought Okay, well, we can offer something entertaining that is not this. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea, I guess, in the long term would be to do much more of that and hopefully have it come out at a more consistent pace uh, and, you know, an easier time and, you know, just grow that. So, yeah, we'll I, see what I, happens. I, I, I also think that we, even if we got like a, a job like that, like a Disney or something, I think, well, at least personally, I don't know how you feel, but go back to like i would always go back to the things i like because i don't think that as like much song about, of the south I, again i don't know yes again i don't know i don't know how how nice it is to have that amount of money that you get paid when you're working for these companies so i maybe it's enough to learn chinese mentality. and apologize to the chinese government for acknowledging taiwan as we learned with john cena today with he, john learned, cena. <laughs> he spoke chinese for three minutes straight in a cell phone video doing this uh and uh yeah that's how powerful that kind of money is. All right. Well, I guess what I was trying to say is that I think <laughs> we are... Uh, Sorry to derail you. We just don't... don't. I, I just don't think I would feel comfortable just having my career be that. Uh, so even if we, we ended up doing a big project like that, I think we would always just go back to, you know, uh, things that we actually enjoy doing and not just this is a paycheck thing. Uh, and I think that mentality works at least for for us for now again i don't know how nice it is to get a paycheck from from a place like that so maybe you know we'll fucking sell out and say fuck you to everyone that followed us for the other reason but uh i i just can't see myself being excited about working on something that i don't care for uh even if the paycheck is nice uh and i i need that fulfillment for me to give a fuck you know so I think you will be able to tell if if uh, if we're doing something that just seems half-ass or like it's not, you know, our everything isn't in it. So, yeah, I don't know where I was, where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> so, someone please stop me. It, <laughs> is it, hard. It, is, it is hard to do work on things you don't like. I agree with you. You know, yeah, it's, it is hard, like, and especially when it's I not something it's that's. It's 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 not like this though. You know, I think it's little concessions over time. Absolutely, and then yeah. you're and then you're there 
wherever i don't know mm -hmm. whoever insert director here or whatever uh uh, uh taika watiti there you go There's i mean i knew these guys in la who wrote like knight rider episodes and they like lived in these great houses and they just like you know told me these ideas that were terrible but you know they had just gotten consistent paychecks their whole life so they they lose their ability to you know kind of gauge a good idea from bad one because i mean if you're in this loop from of constant approval or at least what you're perceiving is approval you're gonna lose your edge like you know the best artists i think maybe have eight to ten years where they're kind of on their game and then they just kind of either repeat themselves or they reinvent themselves and it doesn't work you know so but they're still working because they're because yeah. The studio can trust them you know they're always going to go with someone with that imdb over the fresh voice you know and that's and that's kind of where we're, we've hit here with yeah. the uh reboots and the franchises and you know it's not to sound too cynical because i think it will reset it's got to you know or or entire collapse so or just right. garbage forever <laughs> No, I, I honestly, you know? I think that's impossible. I think it, I, there's no way that it's going to continue. I, I think worst case scenario, we're looking at thirty years. Thirty. That's the worst case scenario. Thirty years, people will put up with this shit. I think best I mean, case scenario, most realistically, five, ten yeah. years. You got to look at world cinema too. You know, it might not happen here. Yeah, it might happen somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know what'll yeah. happen to Americans, but there might be a different group of people with more to say down the road who will It's uh, we had a good run. I think <laughs> American cinema had a good run. Yeah. We had a good I run. Think, I think the, the technology is gonna help that reset a lot just because of how easy well easy quote unquote uh it is to make a movie now compared to that the 70s or 60s like we're talking about where you just had to log a gigantic camera into whatever it is that you're trying to do uh well now you can just make a movie with your phone right uh it might not be the greatest movie in the world or you might need to put a lot of effort into it but if you're creative and you can you know figure out a way to do it you can do it now so uh having access to things like that from independent creators i think it's a huge advantage that you didn't have before even five ten years back right uh so maybe that would help but hopefully not 30 years because i don't think i'm going to be alive to see good movies that sucks. <laughs> Hold on, you're, not, you're not that old i'm going to be fucking 70 i don't want to i'm not going to be in my cable i can't forget what i ate yesterday you think i'm going to remember <laughs> shit i'm 70 i'm going to be just demented just drooling in a theater yeah i remember this no, you can no. live like jack nicholson now that could be you that's a pretty good enjoy life. some spaghetti on the lakers court yep just fat no don't care <laughs> that he's living he's living life why not uh let's let's get back to zoller real quick because aside from this movie that he does have coming out which is either going to be a puppet or it's animated and it's got all the familiar faces uh attached to it i don't know if it's going to be with um i mean cinestate's not around anymore they rebranded as bonfire legend which is working with Ben Shapiro's company, Daily Wire. Um, I don't know if it's going to be out through that or if they're going to toss it to some other company or, or what the deal is going to be. But, uh, I, you know, just in my opinion, I think the three films he's directed thus far are, um, you know, great examples of modern independent filmmaking that feels nothing like the homogeny that you will 
yeah. encounter in the you know main line industry. Um, what is what is something about uh, Zoller that is especially appealing to you, Dakota? Uh, his use of Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. It's just uh, I I uh, I like a good masculine film for sure. Uh, it's very unapologetic and it is very original, which is also a big thing. Uh, and I love Bone Tomahawk too. That one is wild. And the guy just like dragging himself the whole time. It's so unpredictable. And I guess all of them are, they all kind of go down the hole, you know, you're like, okay, you're here. Now you're here. Now you're going deeper. Like, especially in brawl like that one's like a literal hole he's getting deeper and deeper and deeper it's very seven into layers the prison, yeah. the prison the prison system uh i i like that it's like uh you start with this idea and he just kind of slowly shaves it off until it's like one little thing left i don't know how i feel about the end of um dragged i don't you know it's just a little, little sentimental too idyllic a little too idyllic i don't know if that's was was pandering at all uh with who he decided to let live of the characters uh i guess spoilers this whole thing's been spoilers but uh you know so but like the death and brawl felt so earned you know that just last explosion of the head just like Mm. fantastic and like i loved that whoever the character was with the broken leg or who, who ends up saving them all and bone tomahawk like all that just feels so earnest it doesn't feel it doesn't feel cynical even though it's dark you know you usually get the dark but cynical to keep you kind of like he pulls you down with it and i think yeah they're long i don't think they're too slow you know i think they're mm. they're very engaging throughout the whole time and and he does he does the things that are they're little things, but they're the things that you just don't do in the films. You know, you have the mother who wants to stay at home with the do- with the kid, and it ends up ha- causing her to die. You know, like that's oh, that was yeah, so dark. That was so grisly. Kind of like that's kind of like, like right wing trolling ish. Sure, I guess you know, <laughs> just like bit, having the know? Korean abortionist be the bad guy in Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Exactly, but it also, but it also is still a story element. It's it never feels like it's simply something just to kind of irk the people who he's trying to irk yeah you know? when it came to it jennifer works. jennifer carpenter's death in in uh dragged across concrete i really thought all right they're setting her up to be the hostage so when she is just blown apart by machine guns i was like what the fuck oh my god i thought that was so yeah, good they, they give her like a good 20 minutes of like here's the building the character and then they just, they just literally they tear her, her apart with gunfire i couldn't believe yeah. that so uh, yeah, I mean, Dragged Across Concrete, I think, is maybe the the best example of how it just toys with your emotions and expectations. And by the end of it, you really want it to end one way. And it's not... I, I agree with you in that the... I think the ending is probably satisfying, but it doesn't feel like it fits the rest of the movie. It's a little too sappy, a little too sentimental, a little too uh, perfect for that one Tori mm-hmm. Kittle's character. And um, I think I would have preferred to see at least some combination of Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn come out of that uh, unscathed. But uh, Hans, I know that you uh, particularly had a, a negative uh, opinion of Brawl and Cell Block 99, didn't you? Yeah. 
I thought it was a, a bit too goofy for my liking. I did too I goofy for serious. you. Too goofy yeah. for yeah, the man I, who picked I, the what was it? Twin was Brothers for Civic TV. <laughs> 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 no, it's because because so I, you're, the, they, you're the perfect co-host because you can't be pinned down. I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't mind goofy if what you're selling me is goofy, but this movie is straight violent, and it's supposed to be this story about this guy, very serious, and then very goofy things happen where he like punches the car and he's like yeah it doesn't hurt and it's like well, what the fuck is this yeah so i was like all right like i i he's i think his visual style is great and i think besides brawl um his movies have a very 70s feel to me where um he doesn't pull any punches and the 70s had a very um uh, that feeling of dread of like characters are they're not losers but they're not doing great and they have to pull themselves up uh by their boots i don't even know if that's the correct expression but they don't always make it so so it's not always a happy ending of you know and he did it and now he's president of the world you know like you would expect a happy ending but instead uh you have very flawed characters uh the the first one that always comes to mind is a uh, thief uh where you have a very flawed character that's trying to get something done and then all of the things that they go through to get this thing done are very real and very human i guess uh and the ending isn't always again the the happy ending that you would expect so to me his movies have that feeling of of uh very real characters uh where things that maybe you wouldn't think to put in a movie uh he thinks of them and that brings the characters more into reality i guess like the little very little tiny things that he does with dialogue or like the way they interact with each other but these movies feel like that like very 70s to me i don't know if that if that tracks with with you guys <clears throat> no I, I i would say that's completely accurate somebody who i'd really like to see him work with is james woods james woods is not mm-hmm. somebody who has been yes. getting a lot of movies lately <laughs> And I think he won't accept, like, indie, he won't do the John Voight thing, where John Voight's a good actor, but he will go and do, like, bad Christian movies. He'll do God's Not Dead or, or you know, whatever Kevin Sorbo is starring in these days. James Woods is like, no, I respect my career. I'm going to do a real movie. So he just doesn't wind up working. He would be he would be excellent in a Zawa. James film. Woods, Vincent Gallo, buddy cop thing. Oh, As an actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why not? Vincent Gallo was supposed to be in Bone Tomahawk. He was supposed to play the David Arquette role originally. Yeah. That could have been interesting. Yeah, James Woods, the Family Guy cameos, I return to them often. They're they're fantastic. <laughs> I need that's to right. see uh is it video videodrome? Is that his his yeah. his one? That's that's probably the one big horror movie that he's known for. Uh he's great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in Cop. Cop is, uh, I think it might be based on a James L. James role. Woods is in Once Upon a Time. No, sorry, Once Upon a Time in, uh, Once Upon a Time in, Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in New the York. West. The West what? was that one. Was it West? Was it the West? No, not Once, Upon, no Once Upon a Time in the West. I think it was a spaghetti western by yeah. uh, Sergio Leone, right? No, it's Once Upon a Time in America. There we go. Once Upon okay. a Time in America with Robert De Niro, oh, James Woods. Right, good three and a half hour three mafia hour. epic, yep. <laughs> early 20th century. Yeah. It's great. So, he's, he, I mean, he's... Are y'all Scorsese fans? Speaking I, of America, long films. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's always good and I always enjoy his movies. I probably wouldn't put him as one of my favorite filmmakers, but yeah. uh, I, I mean, he 
can't really do any wrong. What are y'all's lists? I don't think we ever should we should we like number them? Yeah, uh, what Hans? Why don't you start with that? Mine's probably a little more predictable. Anybody who listens to that sh- this show knows probably at least three out of five. Yeah. So mine is Carpenter, Cronenberg, uh, Georgus, uh, and the Coen Brothers, and then I couldn't pick a five because I like I got like three. I could think of three, four directors that I like the same because of the the amount of movies from their work that I like, and that was. Uh, Kim Ye Woon, the guy that did uh, Tale of Two Sisters and uh, I Saw the Devil, uh, Chan Woo Park for the you know Mr. Vengeance trilogy, Old Boy and Handmaiden. Uh, then you have Terry Gillian, whose movies I really really enjoy, like the, his early work uh, where he, he did kind of they they look like children's movies of the time, like with pirates and shit like that, but they're not. So they're very creative, and his vision is always he's been yeah he's a very explosive visual director. But for some reason, yeah. I can't really. I find his work inaccessible to me outside of maybe Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. What about Brazil? That's him. Twelve Monkeys. Interesting. Yeah, I, no. I couldn't. I couldn't sit down and, and tolerate Brazil. Brazil. I yeah. forgot all about the Con Brothers when I was making my list. I love them. They're so good. And, and, and another one off, that I, but they're good. Consistent. That I know. I know. Lawrence is going to give me shit for for it. But uh, when it comes to modern day directors, I still like Edgar Wright. I still think he's... No, I, I don't have anything wrong with Edgar Wright. Look, he's uh, a little annoying on Twitter, but he's a very good filmmaker, I think. Yeah. Um, especially I've visually. enjoyed everything he's done. So so uh, even Baby Driver, who was, which was my favorite, like I still think he's, he, his voice is there, and I always appreciate that. Uh, I, I think he, he was lucky that the Ant-Man thing didn't work out because he was able to keep his own style and voice. Uh, and I don't in retrospect, we'll like I that. certainly agree. Yeah, I don't think we'll be able to see that if he was in that Marvel machine. Uh, so I uh, like I would prefer to watch you know Scott Pilgrim than his Ant Man. Even now, uh, even though I know that's the movie that everyone shits on all the time because Is of Scott Pilgrim, the, him? Edgar Wright. Yeah. yeah, 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 because of this stuff culture that created online. Well, right, it's, it, it's just out of fun. fashion right now. It'll it'll be that's not going to hold. That's just going to be five years, I'm sure. Right. It's a pretty but good I, movie. I, still, I, I enjoy it. Like, I, I really liked it when it came out. And I think he's, his style, like, he has a very distinctive style of shooting action and comedy that still interests me. So even that new trailer that came out today, uh, it just looks great. Like, just the way his movies look are great. I don't know what the story's about or anything. I, I don't want to read uh, about it at all. I just wanted to just digest the trailer like that. And, and it, I'm interested. So... He's he's probably one of the modern ones that I that I'll mention that I'm still interested in, in his his filming. Uh, for me, it's probably Park Chan Wook is is number one because I, I I I mean, the only movie of his that I've watched this far, and I've seen them all except for a movie called Trio or Threesome from the late '90s, which is incredibly hard to track down with English subtitles. But if you go to DVDLady.com. She's selling like an $8 DVD, like a burned DVD of it. And I got I got one rare movie from another favorite filmmaker of mine, Nabiko Obiashi, off of, off of the DVD Lady from DVDlady.com. And it's a pretty good quality. It's got good English subtitles. It doesn't read like ESL, you know, like bad mm-hmm. ESL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of House, The Discarnates, uh, Labyrinth of Cinema. He's kind of spotty, to be honest with you. Drifting Classroom. I really like his visual style, though. 
Um, Zoller is a, another one of mine who's a favorite. Refin, Von Trier, uh, Spike Lee. I really like Spike Lee. I know he's not somebody who's uh, in held in high regard you saw, these days. You saw Bamboozled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I re- I revisited Bamboozled. I saw Bamboozled. That was uh, <laughs> that's something. That is interesting. I like that. It's very he has hard, a he has a, po- like, he has a poster. It. It's a poster in his room. It's just, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what's yeah. his What's his name? Uh, uh, Michael Rapaport. Yeah. Anybody Anybody who gets <laughs> Michael Rapaport to wear blackface. He's a he's yeah. a great director in my opinion. Uh, so I really it's, so, I, it's, so, it's such a prescient movie, you know. If you think, you know, it's, it's I think it I think it I think it holds up. Definitely, it's interesting. Yeah, I I you There's know what, I think of, the, like the video camera to the 4K right that's and the, that's what I was gonna say is the the fact yeah. that they shot that with like DV cams back in two thousand uh, is a, I think especially is interesting now to to revisit and check out and and watch. Um, uh, another director that I really like, who is, uh, you know, he doesn't have a long filmography, but I've found each of his films thus far enjoyable, is Joel Petroikis. He's a Michigan filmmaker who does, like, very low-budget indie films. Uh, he's probably most known for Buzzard with, um, I think the actor's name is Joshua Berg. And he did a follow-up uh, called Relaxer, maybe about two or three years ago. Uh, and these are really funny like uh, very uh, minimum bare budget films that you can check out. I think they're all on Amazon. William Friedkin. William Friedkin's another favorite of mine. Uh, I like almost every, yeah. Cruising, cruising is the best. I just rewatched Cruising again recently. I got the I took a pornography course in college, and the first thing we had to watch was Cruising. <laughs> the teacher was this this gay guy who looked like he'd been burnt out on the like eighties coke scene. And just, you know, was just did like, he show up for class like, in a he, gimp outfit? No, but you know, he just was, he was, he was uh, a character, but he loved cruising. And like, like, it's very important to notice that the like, actor playing the killer is, is changes each time someone's killed and it becomes the person who was killed and starts playing the actor. And it's just like wild, you yeah. know? Uh, and uh, I guess, uh, exorcist yeah interesting yeah and Freaking. i guess exorcist cruising cruising cruising, yeah, <laughs> I guess cruising is the one that i'm just, yeah i no I'm, I'm totally right there with you it might be it might be my favorite of his i i really have to think about that to live and die in la is another uh great piece of 80s filmmaking from Friedkin. kind of feels like michael mann um and abel ferreira abel ferreira is definitely one of my favorites although his work is like uh, the 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 rate of success I would give Abel Ferrer is more like thirty percent, but when he gets that thirty percent, it's <laughs> great. So. That is my that is my uh, artist uh, philosophy is do it like baseball. You know, if you're uh, if you've got a point two to point three batting average, you're in the Hall of Fame. You know, that's what I say. Absolutely. Same, same with uh, yeah, I mean. Paul Schrader's another guy who, uh, you know, it took a while for me to like warm to a lot of his films. Uh, but if you check out movies like uh, Mishima, Life in Four Chapters, or Patty Hearst, some of his 80s work that was, I th- that's, I think, now more low key, uh, those are great to revisit and especially look at in context to modern day culture. Yeah, I have to check those out. I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. My friend loves First Reformed. So I oh, yeah, recommended yeah. it to me. 
that was a comeback. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen Taxi Driver, but I mean, he he wrote that, and I've seen Raging Bull, but yeah, I, I he's one I need to get into for sure. Yeah, so that wasn't really a top five. That was just kind of a random list. Yeah, just a list. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, same same idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, for for me, Paul Thomas Anderson, Lynch, Malick. Love Terrence Malick. I don't know if y'all ever watch his work, but he's really really slow. But you know, if you're in the right mindset, uh, it can be really I'm still, rewarding. I'm still upset oh. about that about that unnecessary Funny Games remake. That's Michael Hayek. Like, oh, wait, yeah. Um, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> Terrence Malick had the same thing with Lynch, essentially, that we kind of talked about earlier. Like he did the war movie Thin Red Line, and then he took thirty years off from filmmaking, essentially, until Tree of Life, I think. Or, yeah, that was the case with or the Badlands. one right before the. Yeah, he did like he started. He did Badlands. He did Days of Heaven, and then he did Thin Red Line, which was like the big budget war movie, and then he he disappeared until like 2004 or something 2005. lived in france he 2005. did uh new the new world new world yeah and then john smith and pocahontas yeah is that what that is yeah with uh colin farrell yeah and uh and then yeah three of life six years later after. i remember getting that movie confused when i was like 14 or 15 with apocalypto because i feel like that dropped around the same time yeah it was just other indigenous people Anyway, uh, I, 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 think, I think this might be a, a pretty good note to end on. I think we're going to be close to 90 minutes. So uh, do yeah. you want to give people a refresher on where they can find you online if they're still sticking around? Absolutely. Um, Plastic Repeater on Instagram. Uh, and that is it. I'm doing a record. I recorded it last week. And uh, that band name is Oozebox. Uh, I'll be linking stuff to that through plastic repeater but you could also follow ooze underscore box on instagram i think we have seven followers right now so you could be you could you say you knew us when you know and uh yeah doing art and music definitely appreciate anyone reaching out i'm pretty pretty on there so if you have a question or anything hit me up chat and uh hans are you going to get back on twitter anytime soon you've had two accounts uh, suspended no. in the past week. Uh, I'm good. You good? I, I, you tapped I, I, out. I probably, need to, I probably need to get a VPN for that. I'm not paying to get on Twitter. <laughs> it's not. Fuck it. Who cares? So no. So that's that's good. They can have it. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, so I bet you you're back on by the end of the month. What, I don't think. Five I don't. Days? Six oh. days. Oh, that's right. It's May 25th. Well, how much you, you know what? I'll stick to that. <laughs> And uh, don't give up, Hans. Believe in yourself. For anybody who's tuning in to this as it's being uploaded, we have six hours left in the Mass Day Lottery fundraiser, uh, which was not deleted. It's still active. I don't know how quickly I'm going to be able to get this up on Patreon. So if you're one of the, you know, the the paywall people, you know, help out if you want to, because I'm giving away screeners and special thanks credits and this and that. So. Uh, you can check out uh, the link in any of my bios on social media right now, and I'll probably even post it in the description of this episode uh, if you'd like to contribute. Okay, that has been movies for this episode. Dakota, thank you so much for coming. I'm sorry this took like eight months to get in the can and how it transformed uh, like episode themes 
maybe once a month when we're supposed to do a full season of Survivor. We'll get to Survivor eventually. Yes, Hans. We'll how how deep into Survivor eventually. did you get? Yeah, I got up to episode four and I was like, listen, uh, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to yep. go for yep. four four let's, hours. Let's do, of... a, let's do season twenty. You know, that's that's how I got a more in. fast you know, that's, uh, A little more action packed than season yeah. One. Yeah, I was like, why am I just watching this pale old man pretending they can survive in the wild? <laughs> just like, this sucks. Yeah, I got four hours in and I was like, I, I, I don't have it in me to have seven But you have to, look, they're going to get videotapes from home soon. And then Jenna's videotaping going to come in. She's going to cry. It's going to be the big moment of the season. Great. You... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that doesn't sound appealing to me at all, no. It's yeah. great. Listen, you gotta you gotta just push through. This is a great show. It's a great first season. It's classic mm-hmm. television. It's very un PC. Fat naked fag. How, you know how many episodes? <laughs> how many episodes on <laughs> season twenty? Is that like thirty episodes? Season twenty, I think it, I th- they're all like thirteen to fifteen episodes. Uh, all right. They're well, they're they're. You can jump around, short. Hans. Jeff Perch is really good about keeping you caught up. Oh right, yeah. I can just watch Epic from seven on, I guess, and then exactly. yeah, get to the yeah, yeah. You know what? You I mean, look, the early episodes of Borneo are good. It's the whole season is good, but if you get to the merge, it then good. it's an individual game. That's when it gets real good. The only reason why I was going to watch Survivor is because I thought that you said that we we're getting someone from season one on the show, <laughs> and I was like, we could. I was like, I was like, I guess you need I'll to reach out to then. Richard Hatch. Yeah, get we'll get he Richard Hatch it. on the show. He, would totally he has his, do it. He's a YouTube channel. He hates he would, Hollywood. Yeah, is that the guy that has AIDS? He, no, he does not have AIDS, Hans. He's just which one's the one that has man. AIDS? That's not even this show. This that's Pedro oh. from the real world. He's dead. Oh, sure. I don't there's also there's a Big Brother well contestant <laughs> with uh, oh. with I think who's HIV positive, but aside nice. from that, that's that's about it. Right. We know right. who so, should. We, so there's. A, there's never been a consist, uh, contestant with HIV in the jungle? I don't think that would be a good idea uh, with the starving. I mean, survivor? I mean like, they just I mean, had a do guy. Do you survive? Is this fucking real or is this a game? Like, <laughs> is this Naked and Afraid? Or like, how do you have Survivor after Naked and Afraid? Also? They just had a guy on the, on the last season they, they did, Winners at War, who just beat cancer like a year ago and decided to go and play and was very concerned about his immune system and got voted out third or fourth. And the way that this past season worked was you're voted out. Even if you're voted out first, you can hang out and starve on the Island for the entire duration. Cause you might get a shot at coming back in at final five. And, uh, he did not come back in. So now he's probably just worried about his health and why he did that. So, yeah, that's how the real the survivors. Winners of war. The it's, of re- of reality it's a, it's a great, great, <laughs> real ending because i here's what i know about what they're going to be doing they're going to be doing 26 day seasons three seasons shot a year no title at all it's just going to be survivor from now on so as far as i'm concerned 40s 40s like the end there's been 40 seasons of that show yep wow is it just you two watching it? <laughs> or is there actually like an audience to it? <laughs> I haven't heard anything about Survivor until you mentioned it. So, I mean, I'm not very plugged into what people are watching, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, I that, even know that there was... people, everybody says that. Everybody's like, oh, I can't believe that's still on the air. But Matthew McConaughey said he just started watching it last last summer. So, how about that? So, there might be 40 more years. Is that what you're saying? 
Well, as long as there's islands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Now> Survivor. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's been the show for, for tonight. Uh, again, Dakota, thank you for coming Thanks, on. We'll guys. figure out another episode soon. Yeah. Sounds good.